Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the director and writer Sam Kelly. This for me is one of those directors that I know is going to have a huge, huge future ahead of him. This is why I used to love to do interviews with people like Tom Payton and most recently lots of horror directors that I know are going to be the next big thing and I do really truly believe that Sam Kelly is amongst these two. I think I first saw one of his short films called Lambs which got absolutely loads of awards, got loads of attention at the New Zealand International Film Festival, he got stuff like Best Director, loads and loads and loads of hype and it's been amazing to see that now he's just released his brand new film Savage and this for a debut full feature film is amazing. I was lucky enough to be sent a screener, I sat there and I was in awe. I couldn't wait to sit down and talk to him, find out more about the filmmaking, the whole process behind the film and the challenge of doing this whole huge scale film. The interview's great and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I do like to touch base and talk about my last episode. It was only a couple of days ago and I was joined by the singer and songwriter Aviva. A huge, huge episode already. It may have only been out 48 hours, but the numbers have been huge. Thanks to Aviva for sharing it amongst her Instagram and Twitter. So loads of people jumped on board. I've seen loads of new listeners. So thanks. And I hope everyone that tuned in absolutely loved the episode. But as I said, today's episode is with Sam Kelly. I can't wait for you to hear it. So I think let's just do it. Here it is now, me and Sam Kelly talking all things film. Sam, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, what I want to do is just start out by finding out, was it at a very young age that you discovered that you wanted to make films and be an actor and get involved in the film industry, or was it later on in life? My dad always walked around with a camcorder on holidays and that sort of thing. Um, so he was always filming things and, um, you know, developed a sort of a craft of sorts, you know, putting shots together and that sort of thing. And you know, I think that led to me making little sort of shorts with my family, you know, trying to rope in my brothers to play different roles and do different things. Um, I can't explain where the sort of the storytelling instinct sort of came from, but I always just loved like writing stories and telling stories. Um, and yeah, and so I think at, certainly by the time I left school, I knew I wanted to be a director. Yeah. Um, not that I really knew... How to? I mean, Peter Jackson was um, just got the green light for sort of Lord of the Rings, and so everything seemed really possible over here in our little corner of the world. And yeah, um, yeah, it was sort of an inspiring time. It's crazy as well, isn't it? When you think of what he was doing before that, so stuff like the Frighteners and Bad Taste and those sort of films, and then he suddenly got yeah. Lord of the Rings. You must have been like, anyone can achieve anything right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, incredible. You know, and, and and to do it all here, his own way. You know, that was really, that was really inspiring to me as well, that he was able to sort of control the process and not be part of their system, but to sort of, yeah. you know, and that's what I think led it to feeling like a sort of this large independent film. You know? And you just mentioned then, obviously at school, you knew that that's what's what you wanted to do. Can you remember some of those early films that you were watching as a kid that made you fall in love with cinema or those certain actors that you saw that thought, wow, that's what I want to do? Yeah, so it was sort of like, 80s adventure movies I think you know it's it's not at all um you know the sort of films that I would you know um, that I, my taste is, is, is uh, has changed obviously and evolved a lot but you know like 
you know, Star Wars and um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, the Goonies. And, you know, when, when I was a sort of, you know, 12 year old or something, those were the films that really sort of connected with me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just, I don't, I don't know, there's that, that sort of escapism and adventure I loved. So after school, did you go into any sort of film college or film school or was it just a case of learning yourself and were you self-taught? How did it come about that you built that kind of education to become a director? So my sort of, um, you know, art movie education happened at university. Um, the, uh, there wasn't a film school in New Zealand. No. And it was so I went to university and it was a very academic based course there wasn't actually any film production to it um, so uh, it was really learning the history of cinema and the sort of the way that you can read um, cinema through different lenses political femi feminist whatever um, and then you know I just got you know it was really for me the best part was going into the the library and just yeah. you know discovering all of these um, you know great films that I'd never watched before. So, um, you know, and, and for a lot of people, this was the, the film degree was, or the film course was like their little fun add on while they're doing a law degree or something serious and proper, you know, <laughs> yeah. there were a few of us who were like, you know, actually wanted to make a career out of it. Um, the crazy yeah. ones, you know, I was the same with music. I remember studying music and everyone being like, so what's your main subject? I was like, no, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm wanting to be a musician here. Yeah. Get, get real. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're probably right, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like, they're the ones laughing now. Yeah. And then you're saying then, uh, while you're obviously learning then, um, studying and finding out more about film, did you then kind of get to get some hands-on stuff? Did you get to go on set of any films or be some work experience or do some assistant work to kind of get on the actual set of films? Or was it not until... So, kind of I did a post-grade... Uh, course which allowed me to make some shorts um, yeah. and that was really cool it was sort of the first time that I worked with um, professional crew you know I, it was sort of half made up of film students and professional crews in those sort of senior positions his yeah. department and it was a really good mix because you had the sort of the enthusiasm of youth willing to do anything for no budget and um, you know people who actually knew what they were doing and um, it was just you know just making awful um, shorts and learning craft, you know, that was sort of the, the strong, that was, the, and, and in terms of other film sets, um, I was an actor on a sort of a TV show that was set in New Zealand, a sort of post-apocalyptic, um, so soap in a way. Um, and also, you know, I was, a, I was an extra on some of the big films like Lord of the Rings and that sort of thing. I was a um, elf and, and that. You can't, and, um, you can't just pass that as a little thing that, like, oh, and by the way, I was on Lord of the Rings. I mean, <laughs> well, I was an extra on Lord incredible. of the Rings. I was in the uh, Council of Elrond, uh, sitting wow. between the Legolas and Gandalf um, wow. with long blonde hair. Um, yeah, you, please don't search out the photo. You wouldn't recognize me anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it was cool. No, it was just, you know, um, you know, seeing these great actors work and, you know, just really coming at it all cylinders firing was was really yeah. great um, i mean that must be one of the best lessons you can ever learn being on set of probably one of the biggest scale trilogies of all time yeah well, it sort of it sort of wasn't it wasn't i mean it's so far away from anything you can do or imagine it's sort of like it's a, it's a completely you know whole other world um yeah but still exciting and inspiring and you know for anyone who loves 
film, just being on a film, you know, when you first start out, like now, obviously on a film set, we, we go there and we're absolutely bored because it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> most of the time, you know, there's nothing to do. But when you, when, when that's all you want to do, it's an incredibly exciting place, you know, for people who've never been on before, you know, there's a real um, sort of romance to it. And um, it's, it's, it's sort of nice when people walk onto, you know, one of my film sets now and they just sort of, you know, you, you see that in their eyes. It's, it's, you sort of remember how it was for you. So you're at this stage now where obviously you've learned your craft and you want to know that you want to be a director. You've done some acting, you've been in the biggest trilogy ever, you've done some uh, small work as well. But what was it that then triggered you to be able to make an actual film and be a director? Was it, was it the title Frames? Is that right? Yeah, I did. Frames was sort of my first sort of proper film, I guess yeah. you would say. It was shot on 16mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, I think the, the challenge for, for me at that stage was finding scripts or, or you know, finding what to, to shoot, um, finding my voice, really. Um, and I didn't really know what my voice was at that point, And I wasn't a good writer either. I was terrible, in fact. Um, so I, I wanted to work with um, people who could write. And so, um, you know, I, I put a um, call out with the New Zealand Writers Guild asking for writers um, to work with. And um, I got sent a, a bunch of scripts and, um, you know, a, a few of them I, I connected with and developed. And then, you know, one of them was was frames that sort of got developed to the point where we felt ready, it was ready to go. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really, again, it was a prof half professional crew, half sort of enthusiastic yeah. um, students or graduates um and you know we we had all the toys and big you know cranes and all that sort of thing which was which was fun to play with um and it, again it was just learning learning craft you know and um for the next sort of few years it was really just trying to develop shorts that um and get funding yeah it was the, like we in new zealand we can actually fund um short films through our film commission um but you know, so that was that was that was the plan. But um, uh, you know, and, and I'd work with different writers and and develop all these different ideas, and I'd write some films myself. And I ended up applying probably seventeen times for short film funding and getting denied all of them. <laughs> um, wow. So over a period of about, uh, I'd say, uh, six to eight years, probably eight eight years. Um, I just couldn't couldn't break in and get get any funding, um, and so you know. And I, meanwhile, I had funded the last short frames by myself, which was probably you know twenty grand, which is probably about ten, twelve thousand pound or something. Yeah. Um, and so I did a. I knew that I needed to improve my writing, and so I did a masters in screenwriting by um, the guy who runs it. It's a sort of a Yoda-like character who's incredible he's, yeah he's just um he's got this beautiful way of bringing out the, the the best in you and um i developed a lot over that year in fact i look back at my writing at the start of the year to, you know and even during you know and it was, i've just you know so and then basically for the next sort of um yeah, the next script, short film I script I wrote was Lambs. I looked at you the other day while doing some research. You only do films with one word titles, frames, lambs. <laughs> <that's it. laughs> yeah, keep it, keep it simple, right? Yeah. So obviously um, the jump from doing frames to lambs, um, 
what was the biggest lesson you learned? Because obviously trying to make your mark and do your debut as a director, even if it's a short or whatever, that's the impact you want to have. You know, if you look at people like Tarantino and Kevin Smith and all these big directors, to leave their mark on the film industries, everyone always judges you by your debut, which is tough because sometimes it's not mm. your best work. But mm. when you were on the set of frames and you finished it, what was the biggest lesson that you taught yourself as a director? Was it that it was much bigger than you thought or had you kind of underestimated how much work it really involved or was it something else? What was it that kind of taught you more ready to set you up for Lambs and Savage, etc.? I think, um, you know, frames i think um i guess it's how hard you need to push to get anything to be interesting to to really fire you know what it's, i think um i think i learned that sort of um films tend to shitness <laughs> yeah. in a way you know if you just let, let it all be and let it all out you know and don't do put in much effort it just ends up being sort of shit you know yeah. and you 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 need to really work really hard at finding um, what is interesting about the scene at, a, at, at every level, from a visual, from a performance um, level, um, and just um, really, really do your homework and, um, and work hard on set to find it. Um, so with, um, with Lambs, I think I also, you know, just, I was probably more influenced by, um, you know, I don't know, I, it was sort of Dardin Brothers and um, films like that. And I, I just think I had, uh, I, I was able to bring a stronger sense of style to it through, through those influences. Yeah. It, it was a sort of a, um, you know, it was, it was more um, single long takes, you know, and just trying to um, sit in moments and the emotional reality of them. And it sort of had that more social realist sort of feeling to it. And, you know, I, I just wanted it to feel really, raw and real and you know and, and and every day you know like so um so i'm guessing you know your listeners won't know lambs is about um a at-risk youth kid who so at, what i mean is a juvenile delinquent who lives yeah. in a um, abusive sort of home environment and it's sort of a slice of life it's one one day goes you know one bad day for him and um and yeah, so stylistically, it was sort of, I wanted, um, it's, it is a really shocking world. Um, and, but I wanted to present it in quite a matter of fact, everyday sense that just sort of, you know, which, which, which it is for these kids. It was sort of their experience of it, you know. And your most recent film, which you're here to promote today, Savage. Um, mm. For anyone that's listening, without spoiling anything, how would you describe this film? Um, so, okay, so Savage is um, basically in the, it's a story about how a young kid becomes a gang member. And it's told in three chapters um, when, uh, the, you know, when he's a kid and sort of gets taken from his home and, and placed in state care um, and has to sort of survive in this, this pretty rough world. And then in, in the teenage world, when he meets um these other young guys and forms this sort of young gang and but it's you know this sort of fun and connection and um really different sort of energy to that first chapter um and but it's his his uh brother is he meets again who he was separated from you know in his home and his, his brother's in this opposing gang and so these two are um you know going at each other and um but 
you know, our main character, Danny has to choose between his friends and his brother and he chooses his friends. And then in the third chapter, it's the adult gang world. And, um, you know, him and his um, best friend that he met at the Borstal and has been in his gang the whole time is now sort of at a um, loggerheads with a bit of internal conflict. And Danny's a bit um, unsure about um, what he wants, whether he wants to remain in the gang or not, because the sort of the, the violence of it is taking a toll. He's now the sergeant of the gang and sort of the enforcer and trying to get all these, um, you know, he's doing all these acts and um, his best friend is the president. And um, I'm probably saying way too much here. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe we should cut all of this out. Um, but um, yeah, so it's, it's sort of these three, three different worlds is the long and short of it. Nice. And how did this idea come about for you? How did it um, all start? Um, it was, I, it was as a result of Lambs, which was as said, about the at-risk youth world, that led me to meeting adult gang members and yeah. hearing, you know, so in New Zealand we have uh, these street gangs, which so they're not bikey gangs. Uh, well, we do have bikey gangs, but um, what's unique about New Zealand is um, these gangs that um, a lot of them came from the state care environment in the 60s and 70s. And um, a lot of them came from really rough um, homes and certainly state care was really rough. And so, um, you know, they felt alienated and then wanted to sort of join together to, um, to find this, create their own little family, their own little you know, sense of belonging. I suppose what opened my eyes up then is that you actually went and met some of these gang members and that must have been something mm. that was just... How do you mentally prepare for that? I mean, some of the stories they must share with you is just probably couldn't even digest or get your head around. Well, it's fascinating. Was what who these gangs are? So there's Mongrel Mob and, and and Black Power, and the Mongrel Mob are sort of they base themselves on the Bulldog, and known for their sort of you know taking on the, the attributes of the Bulldog, which is a sort of ferocious, snarling, barking language that they you know they bark to each other, and um, you know it's sort of the um, anything goes violence wise it's it's extremely um you know like especially back then you know it was an extremely violent world and so i'd met i met sort of mongrel mob members and black power members and hell's angels and that sort of thing and um just got to hear how their world worked from a sort of a structure the values the um you know everything and and then their personal stories about what led them into the gang and um, they, those were the stories that I found really affecting um, because it was, you know, that's the story that sort of Savage ultimately became. I sort of just took all these stories from different people and um, collated them, really. <laughs> it blows my mind thinking about some of the conversations you must have had with such sort of different people from different walks of life. And some of it must be just so emotional and just hard to just then take away and just be able to just deal with it it must be so raw yeah yeah it is like when you know you you hear some of the stories about um particularly growing up you know one guy was telling me recently about how he was um you know ch ch chained you know into the dog um kennel and um you know fed um skins orange peels and apple you know like and you know um just he was in there with broken limbs and not not treated and just the the, the level the, the that level of um abuse is something i think um that you know the trauma of it 
is something most people can't fathom and the, the impact that has on a, 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 a young mind. In fact, on, a, on, a, on an old mind, like we understand when soldiers come back from war, how, yeah. you know, how, how impacted they are from the trauma. And yet when kids do it, you know, people were sort of surprised that, you know, they feel this need to join a gang to, to you know, that, that they, they feel so alienated from the adult world who have just sort of been so abusive to them and um, to form these sort of little protective units, you know, um, it t- made total sense to me when I, when I heard these stories. So you've got all these stories, you've prepared all this, you've got all this like material then to try and obviously put out into a, a certain under two hour limit film. Was there so much more that you wanted to include that kind of would make a director's cut or that you just have to leave on the cutting floor? Is there, is there so much more that you've got to tell? So much more, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the cut. Yeah, like I, I, I truly feel this like almost would have been better suited to a novel. You know, I felt the the crazy thing is just how much there is in these worlds. These worlds are incredible worlds to me, um, and I wanted to, I really wanted to explore them um, way more fully than you can in a ninety minute film. You know, in fact. Um, the first draft of the script was two hours and then we had to cut like, you know, 10% of that to get to production. And then um, we also had to cut a whole lot of the edit as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot that's been cut that um, is hard for me to sort of reconcile, but you sort of just, you know, you have to focus on what the absolute, absolute bare bones core of the story is and then just make sure you can, you know, grab onto it and get it to the end yeah and now mm. that the film's obviously finished and everything's done um i've seen some of the reviews on uh, rotten tomatoes and imdb and everyone is speaking really highly you must be absolutely thrilled with the first sort of feedback that's come out the reviews have been unreal actually yeah. um you know and um yeah and you know we've, we've had our first two in new zealand and they've both been um unreal yeah so i'm absolutely thrilled absolutely yeah you can't ask for much more, can you? And the, uh, the, all the feedback I saw yesterday was like 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Like people are saying masterpiece and stuff like that. And those sort of words don't get just thrown around there willy-nilly. It's, um, you know, you, you, you know that how much you put on the line when you make a film. You know, you, how emotionally invested you are and how long it takes. And all you want is, at the end of the day, for people to connect with it, you know, to, to feel like... No, not not just at a at both an emotional level um, and as a piece of work. You know, I mean, um, at an emotional level, you know, like uh, the film, the character damage sort of comes from me. You know, he's he's part of me, and so is Moses in a way. Just strange to say, considering the gang members. You know, yeah, um, they're these sort of violent individuals, but that sense of isolation and loneliness and lost, you know, feeling that I had you know was absolutely where i was when i was writing the script so um and and damage and moses are sort of two sides of the same coin that like they both have this void inside of them from what happened in state care and they're trying to fill it in different ways damage with um connection and belonging in moses with this um sense that he matters you know because he, he's been told his whole life that he doesn't matter so um yeah, and that's something I've sort of, I guess I, I, I feel in, in some way, shape or form, even though transposing that into a, you know, really masculine, violent world is, is interesting. 
And now that obviously under your belt, you've had frames, lambs, savages, each time the budget's getting bigger, the scale's getting bigger. Um, mm. What's next? Have you, have you just got this absolute love and desire to carry on more stories and carry on directing and doing more writing now that you've done your masters and stuff? Or how, how is it that you're kind of processing for years? So, um, I think I want my next project to be smaller actually. Um, I just because, um, you know, you, the most valuable thing on a set is time. Yeah. And, and that's all I, all I want is, you know, and, and Savage was a really ambitious film. Um, and you know, that means there's a lot of sort of production to it. And, um, you know, I think the, the thing that I'm really attracted to is, um, trying to find the sort of sense of a sharp edge to a scene, you know, the sort of feeling of rawness and that feeling of um, it being really alive and raw. Yeah. And so I just, that need, you know, that comes from performances and two actors who are alive to each other and it comes from casting and it comes from what you can find in the moment. And I just, yeah, I, um, I've got a few ideas for scripts for what's next. Um, and that's sort of, competing at the moment and just in my mind and I'm feeling out, feeling them out. I'm, I'm in that space where I'm feeling really ready to start writing again. And um, yeah, as I said, I'm, I know that I'm a much better writer, you know, obviously got, that's, that's the lovely thing about writing is you, 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 you will write your whole life and always be learning, you know, always yeah. never, never, never feel like a master, um, which is what I actually love, you know, I, growth is really important to me. And, um, so I'm attracted to, to, to that idea. A lot of, um, filmmakers and people starting out in their career, listen to this podcast. So I've had quite a few directors that are starting to make a name for themselves. Um, some question that I ask absolutely everyone that comes on the show, it doesn't matter if they're a world famous actor or a musician, but what advice do you give to anyone that's trying to make a name for themselves? like yourself in the film industry and become a director like yourself or want to try and be above the rest to try and get noticed when anybody now has a 4k camera on an iphone anyone has the ability to upload to instagram and youtube but how do you feel that it's the best way to go about there now to get your work noticed um i think look it's a it's a really competitive market it's an awful word marketplace um, but um even at a film festival level it's it's you know there's tens of thousands of films that are all competing to to, to play and i think the films that make it are the films that feel they have ambition to them and they're bold in some way and they often uh, feel very personal or you know have some sort of unique take so i think um I've, my my advice would just be to swing for the fence really no matter what you're doing um don't try and make something safe or that you think will get made or i don't know just like just 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 swing for the fence be bold i just wanted to say thank you sam for coming on the podcast lovely connecting with you mark yeah thanks for having me so there it is there's my interview with me and sam kelly what a great guy quite a short interview and one of those ones where i wish i had a bit longer but i'm sure we'll get him back on the show in a few years time and talk about where his career's gone and i really do truly believe it'll go huge he's got such a great eye his detail is incredible and when i watched the film i was blown away 
Luckily, the film is right now still in cinema. So if you're listening to this, you can go out and see it. And there's not much on at the cinema at the moment, but go and check out Savage. It's absolutely awesome and you won't regret it. If this is the first time you're tuning in to Mark and me, thanks for taking the time to listen. I hope you come back for more. And if not, there's 97 episodes waiting for you right now on iTunes or Spotify or Podomatic. It's really busy and you're getting interviews every few days at the moment because I'm getting more and more interviews and it's just absolutely crazy. So I hope you're enjoying it. And if you're a long-time listener, wow, this is the time where you're getting more episodes than absolutely ever before. So this is the time. If you are loving Mark and Me, I suggest you jump onto markandme.com. On there, there's my Facebook, my Instagram, my Twitter page, and you can drop me an email. I read every single message you send and I respond personally to you all. And if you really love the podcast, please support me on my Patreon page. On markandme.com, there's a link. You can sign up there. You're getting about five or six episodes a month. And all I ask is about a pound a month. That makes a huge difference, allows me to go out there and do more and more interviews, which means basically more and more podcast interviews for you guys out there. It's a win-win. And you know what? Talking about winning, I also give some amazing prizes away to you guys every single month. And over the next few weeks ahead, I've got some incredible guests coming on and some even better prizes. And I can't wait to share them with you. So get on Mark and me, follow me on all my socials, and I promise you there's going to be some incredible stuff coming up. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. It's absolutely manic at the moment. You're going to get an episode again in less than a week. And we're getting so close now to the big episode 100. Thanks for supporting Mark and me. Take care and I'll speak to you all in a few days time.